The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Yes, you. Yes, you. Welcome back to We've Got Mail. Me? No. Oh. The other folks. <laughs> the people listening at home. They're wonderful. Uh, this is the podcast where you control the conversation right here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. My name is William Bibiani. Everyone calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. Cool. <laughs> and uh, this is the podcast where you get to write in. The email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And we read as many of your letters as we can. We answer questions. We respond to criticism. We take your prompts we read your lists we it really it's your time hmm. whatever you want whatever, whatever you want us to talk about boom write us in we'll do our best to get to it um and um, yeah we don't like to dilly dally here we just like to get right to the letters so uh whitney why don't you get us started with our first letter here's a letter from louise hi louise hello louise uh dear rock bibs mccooliani that's Oh, we've That's become a hybrid organism. Yeah, we, we, we went into Seth Brunel's teleporter pod together and came out on the other side, merged into one being. Uh, I just heard an interview. Be with amused. The... Be mildly amused. <laughs> Be amused, I guess. Uh, I just heard an interview with the production designer from Mamma Mia. Uh, mm. Her name is Maria Djurkovich, explaining why they built a fake Greek village on the Bond soundstage, the biggest in the UK, apparently, rather than just going to, say, Greece. She said the bright sun of a Greek summer would be a nightmare for filming and make the actors miserable and sweaty. Plus, as this was a song and dance job, they would make lots of safe, flat surfaces for the dances and then add textures of earth and stone uh, through trompe l'oeil with paint. Uh, I know very little about filmmaking, so this was a revelation. I wanted to ask you, when, you realized, when did you realize that films were not always made on location... And also, if you have a favorite bit of production design or even a favorite production designer, uh, keep up with the good work. Uh, up with films and down with COVID, Louise. <laughs> uh, that is a great question, and it's a really good observation. Personally, I haven't actually seen Mamma Mia. I need to get around yeah. to that. I know a lot of people who say that, and actually it's, they, a lot of people say its sequel is even more charming. Mm. I love ABBA, so it's kind of absurd that I haven't gotten around to it yet. And now that I've let the world know that, I guess I have to watch it before my next Schmodown match. <laughs> or they'll put the Mamma Mia slice on the wheel. They'll get you for the, with that. They yeah. will. Uh, Somebody's like listening to our podcast and taking notes. Oh, what, I'm what, what sure. What have you seen? What have you not ben seen? Ben Bateman, are you listening? Ben, you have so many better things to do. <laughs> some, you should be polishing your sunglasses um, but Spitefully in a dark room Staring into the middle distance uh, But uh, to answer your question yeah, Production design I love that you brought this up Production design mm. Is an art form That I think a lot of people Take for granted A lot mm. of people When you're young You don't really think about These kinds of below the line Kind of work mm. You assume a lot of movies If not most movies Are shot on location And even after you begin to realize That like people are actually like Dressing up these locations And like filling them with Texture and detail 
you might not always think about all of the practical considerations that go into it. And the Mamma Mia example is a great one where you're not just building a location, you're building a location that is good for filming. Yeah. The lighting mm-hmm. will be appropriate. There's nothing that will mess with the sound because you're doing a musical. These are practical concerns. I remember this isn't so much a production design issue as it is a sound issue, but um, the movie Castaway mm. with Tom Hanks. Uh, apparently, almost if not all of the sound that they recorded on that island was unusable because they were shooting next to a beach. Yeah. And the waves were crashing over everything and ruining all their sound. So, like, almost everything on that island was post production sound. That's incredible. I would never have known that. So. These are important factors to consider. Yeah. What was the first time you remember, uh, like, well, consciously thinking about production design? I, I was very fond of films that looked very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, a big fan of, like, the films of Tim Burton, for instance. I remember yeah. seeing Edward Scissorhands and thinking, this is this doesn't take place in the real world. Somebody built all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. That I, I knew that there wasn't a neighborhood anywhere in the world that looked like that. Yeah. Also, I'm an L.A. native, so uh, I noticed really quick when somebody said, oh, yeah, let's go for a drive out here in Chicago, and they're on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. We're going to see this movie in Milwaukee, and they're, like, in Hollywood. Uh, it So it, it became very clear very quickly that they're probably just shooting around town, and it, I was actually started, was shocked when I learned that things were shot on location occasionally. It's like not everything is filmed on a, su- a soundstage, I guess, because I was always steeped in, in filmmaking culture, just being a native. Uh, I went to elementary school with like kid actors who were in commercials and stuff. So the, all of the artificiality was always there. Mm-hmm. I do remember when I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh. Uh, being really impressed with there, there's the, this like kind of one gigantic central set that they use in the Super Mario Brothers movie that there's like a street below, but there's like level layers of sidewalk up up above it on either side. It looks like a mall yeah. with a road down the middle it, of it's it. It's an impressive amount mm. of effort went into this one yeah, big and, chunk and of and I, and, design, I, yeah. and I remember when I when I, that movie came out, I was in high school thinking, wow, that's that's a really impressive set that they built. Uh, it, it did have this sort of artificiality to it, and I just was really sharply aware of it when I saw yeah. that movie. Um, I, think, yeah. I think it's hard to say, because you and I both... I mean, you're a few years older than me, but we're mostly mm. of the same, you know, era of filmmaking. We grew up mm. with a lot of the same movies, and um, we there was this interesting period where, largely thanks to Tim Burton, and mm. to a different extent Terry Gilliam, uh, yeah. whose films were not as successful but were as strikingly designed mm. uh, and were contemporary. Um, there was this period in the late 80s through the early to mid 90s where a lot of mainstream Hollywood movies started to get really hyper production designed. Yeah. Uh, more overtly so. They weren't trying to hide the production design and make it look realistic. They were actually trying to look more flashy or operatic or expressionistic. Um, and these were a lot of the movies that I grew up with. And. Mm. Sometimes I questioned it, sometimes I didn't. I think the one-two punch of Batman, Tim Burton's Batman, oh, and uh, Dick Tracy were... Which is, it's, which is Tim Burton's Batman. It's, it's <laughs> Tim Burton's Batman if Tim Burton had a color movie. palette. There you go. Uh, but uh, they're both these incredibly strikingly produced uh, motion pictures. They're mm-hmm. both... Uh, G- uh, Tim Burton was going for a German expressionist style. Uh, whereas Warren Beatty was going off almost mod 
in his mm. color scheme, and it's really fucking but gorgeous. Both very Art Deco inflected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the old old timey, but a very different vibe for both. Like, uh, uh, I, I feel like. Warren Beatty was as equally inspired by film noirs as he was by Gene Kelly musicals for mm. the overall aesthetic of Dick Tracy. And Dick, Dick Tracy is a good movie, by the way. Oh, it's so good. It's really, it holds up really well, actually. And uh, Tim Burton's Batman also holds up well. Mm. It's going for German expressionism, but also this kind of like stark, urban, mm. uh, almost oppressive angle that isn't so much, that can be German expressionist, but it's also just mm. industrial. And, um, I remember thinking to myself, the world doesn't look like that. Kind of wish it did. <laughs> wish the world did look like Dick Tracy. That's an awesome world. I want to live there. Um, and the, the interesting part of the question, though, beyond that, is uh, your favorite bits of production design. Mm. And for whatever reason, the first thing that comes to mind is a very little detail in a movie with a lot of production design. It's a really good-looking movie, and I'm a fan. Um, uh, Labyrinth. Oh, there you go. Uh, Labyrinth is a movie uh, that I saw many, many times as a kid, but I don't think I ever saw it in theaters. I don't think I only ever mm. saw it on home video, and it wasn't until it was in college that I finally saw it in widescreen. Mm. So I'd always seen it cropped, and then once I actually I was at a screening at UCLA. They were screening it. And I was very lucky to see it on a on a screen projected nicely. Mm. Um, there was a production design detail I had never noticed before, either because it was cropped out or maybe it was cropped tightly and I wasn't really drinking in the scenery. Or maybe I was just watching that small TV, I don't know. Uh, but there's a bit towards the end where Jennifer Connelly has solved the labyrinth of Jareth and oh. is at the front door of David Bowie's incredible, you know, uh, M.C. Escher castle. Right. And um, there's a couple of bottles of milk. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, just at the front door. Just the front door. Oh, like, that's cute. A, a cute little visual a joke. Good there, little yeah. gag. Just this little thing where it's like, yeah, he kidnaps babies and is throwing little demons into the bog of eternal stench, and he's trying to like capture the soul of this young teenaged girl. But he he still has people deliver milk every morning. He has to go out and get the milk. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that that I just I found that so unbelievably charming. <laughs> this this great detail that they thought to put in there. Is such a weird movie. I, I didn't. Know. I didn't see Labyrinth until I was in in high school. So oh, you yeah, were a little this, aged out of it. Yeah, so, uh, like I was a little beyond like the target age. Mm. So um, where you, where you just accept uh, its weirdness. Well, when you're young enough, you just accept it. Well, I, I I I like the movie, and I did watch it several times. I yeah. still like Labyrinth. I think it's kind of shabby in terms of like a story, and it just is all over the place in terms of what it wants its ideas to be. Fair. If it. It feels like it was written by a member of Monty Python. It's really weird. Uh, <laughs> it was written. By it was written by Terry Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he's just like <laughs> coming up with these things that play like gags, but they're not necessarily funny. They're just kind of odd, mm-hmm. and and I appreciate that. But yeah, it's just sort of. It's just got this episodic kind of this, children's book. It's all like the Phantom Toll Booth yeah. or something, where it's just got this. And I remember, like, a couple of times, uh, I revisited it as an adult, and it's like this this movie's not really about anything, is it? It's just kind of fun and weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, watching like the Muppet films, I remember seeing, uh, I actually did see the dark crystal in, uh, I remember seeing that in theaters when I was very young and then uh, revisited it later in my childhood. And I'm completely charmed by something like the dark crystal, just because I think that's a little bit bit more nightmarish 
feels mm. a lot more like a dream. Well, there's none of the characters in Dark Crystal are humans. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing to ground you. Mm. It's actually what's kept I, me out of the Dark Crystal. I've seen it a couple of times. I like I, the Dark Crystal. Yeah, I, it, because I totally there get, isn't, isn't a human element. I totally get that. But yeah. for whatever reason, I never really feel like invited into the world. I always feel like mm. I'm watching it like, like you said, through a dream. But it's not, it's not my dream. It's someone else's. Mm. That actually reminded me of another interesting bit of production design. A lot of the Muppet movies have to have very particular production design uh, problem-solving scenarios. And there's mm. a shot in um, uh, not Muppets Most Wanted, uh, Great Muppet Caper. Okay. The where, other Muppets Most Wanted. Yeah, basically. Uh, but there's a shot in that where the Muppets are like climbing up a wall mm. and they're all climbing up a wall and it's they're all moving distinctively and oh, yeah, yeah. it's really fucking complicated and you're like, how the hell did they do that? And then I saw, uh, what was it called? Like Muppet People Talking, that documentary oh, Frank yeah. Oz did, which is more of an interview than a proper documentary, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in there if you love the Muppets. Mm-hmm. And uh, they talked about how all of the Muppeteers, all of the puppeteers who were doing the Muppets, were behind that wall in a conveyor belt going upwards in like little tiny cubbies. <laughs> and it was spectacularly <laughs> uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, God, just all of that to get this shot that most people aren't even really going to think about. <laughs> Bless them. So, sometimes you the think effort. of, sometimes you learn about how hard it was to get a shot and all you can think is, gosh, what a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like uh, some of the, these new, new uh, action spectacular blockbusters with so much CGI and they, they have like actors who wear motion capture suits and they have to erase the actor and reanimate over them. It's like. What a, what a pain. Yeah. Just just put them in a robot suit or have them play a human. It's just so much easier. It would play the same. I, I honestly that, that, don't. That character I, doesn't have to be a robot. I know that if I made movies, I would not have the patience for that shit. I would need to make smaller movies. I just yeah. don't have the patience to be like, we're going to do all this, what, in like two years we're going to CGI this? No, fuck it. We're doing it now. Get him in a costume. I don't care. Like, yeah, I couldn't do it. Mm. Anyway, production design. Incredible art. Um... I actually don't, I, I'm not good with production designers. I don't know a lot of people off the top of my head, but I know quite a few filmmakers who mentioned them uh, who have great production design in their movies. Follow those production designers. That's what mm-hmm. I'll say off the top of my head. If I had some time to research this, I could say, here are the great production designers. I could tell yeah. you their names, but it's, it's not my wheelhouse. I don't have all mm-hmm. those names memorized. I'm uh, a little embarrassed. Yeah, same, same. This yeah. is this is not not in my mental Rolodex, especially not now. Yeah. Like it's uh, there's a lot of jobs on a film set. I don't have all the sound designers' names memorized either. Hmm. Um, and and honestly, I probably should. So maybe I'll maybe I'll get on that. Moving on. learning some of those names. Uh, here's a letter from Josh. Hi, Josh. Hello, Josh. Uh, dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool. Rockmeister McCool is my uh, my write-in name. Yeah. For for this podcast and this podcast alone, you may call me Rockmeister McCool. It's like and writing it's, into uh, Dear Abby. You yeah. know, it's like I don't think. Abby has been answering those letters for a while now. It's probably well. I, th- I think Dear Abby has has long since been shuttered, along with Ann Landers. Those those sorts of advice columns are, have have changed a lot. Yeah, <laughs> since we were kids. Now it's just hey um, Twitter, am I the asshole? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all subreddits now. Yeah, and and the people giving advice are maybe not people you should be asking. Yeah. Uh, greetings. I've been a long time listener, and I wanted to begin by thanking both of you for countless hours of listening entertainment. Your abundance of content means I've always had something to listen to during my socially distanced walks. Well, Thank you I'm so glad. much. That's, that's why we're here. We want to f- yeah. fill the social distance. Uh, my questions for you are, 
One, I saw on Twitter that you two are interested in writing a book together. What would you want to write about? I hope you're able to find a publisher to work with who will who will foster and support the immense amount of creativity you both possess. Uh, um, let's do these two, one at a time. Okay. And number two, uh, yeah. there's talk every year about ways in which to make the Oscar ceremony more, quote, appealing to new audiences. In this vein, are there any categories you think the Academy should add, perhaps best put back stunts, best stunts back in? My idea is a best overall actor or actress category that takes in all the films a particular actor worked in during the year. Mm, interesting. Uh, well, the first, I'll say this right now before we, we'll, we'll cover these in, in order. Uh, in the original year or two of the Academy Awards, they did that. Yeah, it, was it be- wasn't just one film. You could be nominated for every actor, film you did. Yeah, for everything you did that year. Yeah, I forget exactly what year they stopped doing that, but it was pretty quick. But the yeah. first year, people won for multiple multiple mm. films. Yeah. Uh, uh, for example, Florence Pugh, when she was incredible in Little Women, Midsommar, and Fighting With My Family all in 2019, or the yeah. classic case of Jim Carrey's historic run in 1994, The Mask, Ace Ventura, and Dumb and Dumber. Well, he was uh, probably wasn't getting nominated for those. That's not the, those aren't the Academy's yeah. films. Or, but... or a 2011, which was the year of Chastain. Yeah. Like she, was, she was nowhere, and then she was everywhere, just all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she was a hardworking actress up until then, of course. No, but all of a sudden she had like all, three she had, like, breakout all roles simultaneously. Really like, big, high-profile like, roles all in a row. The Help and The Tree of Life, mm. and I forget the other one she was in like around mm. that same time like exactly around that same yeah. time but that was that was a hell of a breakout year for jessica mm. chastain uh yeah. this could be a way to award actors who put in multiple quality performances but do not have that one outstanding performance and an oscar baity sort of movie mm-hmm. in the year interested on your thoughts uh, have a nice day josh uh p.s and this mm. is for you bibs thank you for mentioning michelle's and yours soap business on the podcast my wife loves the lavender soap, Yay! and we will be buying more in the future. Thank you so much. That, mm. that means a lot to us. Thank you. We've had a lot of great feedback so far. Uh, if you go to Etsy.com and look for Salt Cat Soap, Salt Cat Soap, all one word. We're also Salt Cat Soap on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Mm. We sell a lot of soap, and there's some really cool soaps coming this next month. We put out new designs every single month. Um, so thank you for everybody who's already supported the store will be around so we know people need soap mm-hmm. um so uh real fast uh I, I think the oscars category is something we can talk about at, at length but regarding mm-hmm. a book wendy and i've been toying with the idea of writing a book for a while in fact we've had multiple ideas for a book and i don't want to tell you what all of them uh, are it's, just it's, because uh, it's it's some of them are pretty good and we haven't just, seen them just quote the state shh that ain't your concern. <laughs> uh, um, we, we don't. We don't want to, to spill our guts too early because we haven't put anything in the pipeline yet. So yeah. uh, we, we don't want to get anybody's hopes up or make promises. We don't want to get anybody's hopes to make promises. We also wouldn't want somebody else to write to that steal book. our idea. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even whether it's intentional or not, like if we mentioned on Twitter, "Hey, we're writing a book about." I don't fucking know. I'm trying to think. We're writing a book about the Critters movies. And mm. then somewhere else down the line, someone sees that, and then six months later, they think to themselves, you know, I've never written a book about the Critters movies. And then yeah. they're, they're in this weird position. There's a reason why people don't announce their projects until they're official a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. So that's why we're not doing that. We are very interested in talking to publishers, and I've been making some notes and um, trying to get a little leeway into that. Yeah. Um, if anyone is a publisher or knows a publisher and would be interested. Yeah, just point them in our direction and Please, see what happens. Like, we, this, you know how to get in touch with us. We're on Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. Find us. That would, that would be cool. Otherwise, we have a few connections. We know some people who have written books. Um, but it's actually really, really hard to get into that world. 
and we and we don't have like an inn. You know, mm. we don't have like a proper inn. We're like, oh, my uncle's a publisher. Like, I, we don't have that. So it's going to be based on can we come? Do we have a good idea for a book? I think we do. Uh, can we write that book good? I think we can. Mm. I think we can use better grammar than write that book good. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and the, again, the, t- the title is is good book, <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, then it's just a matter of can we get anyone interested in publishing it? Mm-hmm. And if we can, we would love to do that. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So yeah. seriously, if anyone here, is, if anyone listening is a publisher or knows a publisher or has a publisher who you think might be interested, we would love to hear from you. That would be nice. But if not, we'll figure it out one way or another, and we'll we'll give it our best shot. But it is something we've been wanting to do for a while, and I've actually been trying to clear some stuff off of my schedule so that this year we can really buckle down and e- either finish it or at least get some real headway into it. Yeah. Writing um, your second get, uh, uh, thing, how to make the Oscars more interesting. And again, my, my number one solution to this, have the Muppets host it. Every, fix, every year. Every year. Yeah. Disney owns ABC. ABC hosts the Oscars. Let the Muppets host it. Everyone would love that. Or let the Avengers host it in character. That would also be cool, mm. but probably more expensive. Uh, well, not yeah, necessarily. Like, Rocket's got to be in like CG, you know, like that kind of thing. Well, yeah. well okay, don't get the CGI characters. Okay. Then. You know, if you're going to have the Hulk, have it just be Mark Ruffalo. I, just, I think that creates some canon issues. <laughs> Oh, well, whatever. Aren't you supposed to be on the other side of the galaxy right no, now? Well, yeah, but no, no, I still have to, we still have to give out the Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Film. Well, it's, it's good to be here on Earth 8, you know, whatever it is. And <laughs> you know, just get some whoever in an, in an Iron Man suit who sounds kind of like Robert Downey Jr. I'm sure, I'm sure Robert Downey Jr. would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make, make it a little more fun. Uh, my concern is all of these articles that come out year after year about, oh no, the Oscars, they're suffering so badly. They're not. They're doing fine. Uh, audiences are up and down. Uh, the concern is they're, they're not getting sort of like the youth vote. You know, kid, well, can... Kids aren't tuning into the Oscars. And that you know what? That's always been the case. Kids don't watch the Oscars. I did, but I'm a weird well, film obsessive. Back when, back when there were fewer entertainment options, the mm-hmm. Oscars were a more dominant uh, ratings bonanza yeah, because there were fewer options at the time and they were still seeing mm. a whole bunch of celebrities and clips from movies and things and before the internet that was harder to find mm. I feel like if you actually look at the ratings that the Academy Awards have had even in like the years where people are talking about how ratings are way the fuck down they're still in like typically I think the top 10 highest rated programs on television that year mm. like number one is usually the Super Bowl or some other big sporting event in fact the majority of the top 10 are usually mm. sporting events. And then there's the Oscars in there. Mm. And yeah, ratings have gone down somewhat, but you also notice that ratings have gone down across the board on live television. Yeah. That's just a reality we have to deal with. If the Oscars are less popular now than they used to be, mm. that might just be a natural thing. What we have to ask ourselves is, are they really going to get that much more popular based on what they are? And what they are is a self-congratulatory ceremony mm. for actors and directors and other people in the entertainment industry. I think there's a critical mass you can hit there where that can only be so popular right now. Now, I like the Oscars. I, they don't mean a lot, but they're nice. I always have a lot of affection for them. I grew up watching them and they introduced me to a lot of movies before I was following the industry. So I have a lot of affection for the Oscars. I do watch them every year. Mm. I like the Oscars. 
But there are things I would change. You know, I think Rockford files are cool, but there are some things that I would change if it were up to me. <laughs> it's a Ben Folds reference. Um, oh my god. Okay. Uh, but I was about uh, to say you don't watch Rockford. You don't no, know I Rockford. Don't, I don't actually. But it's, you think Rockford files are cool? Mm. But there are some things that you would change if it were up to you. Here, Will you never? Uh, what I would love to see. Uh, what I'd love to see about the Oscars is they still treat it like it's this big nighttime bonanza, mm-hmm. this big gigan- one gigantic ceremony. Yeah, and it and it takes a long time. It's a party. And, and yeah, yeah, and a lot of people say, "Oh, it takes long. It takes like three hours." I say, "Roll with that." Mm. There are SciTech awards we don't get to see. Put them in the show. Yeah. Start at 9 a.m. and at 9 p.m. Have yeah. it be all day. Have various hosts rotate throughout the day. Yeah. People can come and go. Be cool. Feed them. I think about <laughs> there's there's a there's certain like um, online events or or they're often public events but they have online elements like mm. um, uh, BlizzCon. Blizzard is a video game company and they produce mm. some of the more popular video games out there. Overwatch is my current mm. favorite game. They do that and they okay. have a convention every single year and you can go in person usually. But you can also watch online. Mm. And the event is all fucking day. Yeah. And yeah, that is, like the, a, if you come tr- in and out. It, treat it like a press event. Yeah. You, and, you, and you say, like, from here until here will be the tech awards. And mm. maybe we expect ratings to go down a smidge at that point. Mm. Fine. Maybe you try to intersperse that with some more funny bits with good actors that can, like, people go, oh, did you miss the tech awards? Oh, there was this hilarious bit with Jack Black. Yeah. Boom. That's how you get that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, show, but, show more clips, make them longer, mm-hmm. cut out all the musical numbers, uh, sing the best songs. That's they, fine. You get that. But, that's but, fine. But I don't need like, and here's a tribute to every time somebody slammed a door in a movie. It's like, no. It's been a while since they've bothered doing that. But yeah, it's, those, every, those when montages we were, kid, was were really common. Uh, but spe- specifically, the question was, what categories would we add? Mm. Uh, and that's a great question because I know they always say like, oh, there are enough categories. Uh, apparently fucking not. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who work in the industry who don't get their work recognized. The most obvious one and the one that is absurd that they haven't added yet is stunts. Yeah. Uh, stunts are an important part of films that even don't seem like they have big stunts. There are people who have died doing stunts for movies where you would not think that they were stunt spectaculars because stunts are dangerous. More than anyone else, at least consistently, stunt people are literally risking their lives to make the movie. Mm. I think the least you can do is give them a gold statue once in a while. Like, I feel like that's a bare fucking minimum. Mm. And on top of it all, if you're worried about the show, that's going to be the coolest clip reel. (laughs) It's just all these people, like, jumping off of buildings and, like, Mm. having explosions where they go, ah, and, like, you know doing parkour over shit like that's gonna be fucking cool i would love to see that i think that's ridiculous that we don't have that especially yeah. considering that they're actually um they announced that they're going to combine the sound categories yeah sound, which sound editing and sound mixing. as long as everyone who would have gotten an academy award from both categories gets an oscar like gets a statue i'm fine with that and apparently people at the sound categories were fine with it that's my understanding but what that means is you've cleared space <laughs> Put up the fucking stunt Oscars for Christ's sake! Come on. Um, beyond the, the, that, um, I think um, I, I will say the other one. I think we're overdue for is best ensemble. Okay, that's but, that's a uh, Tony. Tony has best ensemble. Tony has best, best ensemble. The SAG Awards have best ensemble instead of mm. best film. Um, you know, you have you have awards for individual 
specific achievement in a cast, but there are very, very few movies that only have like a couple of people in them. And it would be nice to recognize the entire cast. Maybe the casting director gets that statue, but the yeah, whole cast mm. can come up at the time. And people, no. they, again, the actors are what a lot of people mm. at home want to see. So it's hard to imagine there being too much opposition to yeah. it. And uh, the the whole idea of trying to get a bigger audience by expanding the best picture category to like up to 10 uh, nominees is, is nonsense. We yeah. need to get rid of that. You think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because first of all, they, okay. They expanded the category from five to 10. So let's think of it this way. Those extra five categories that they added on extra five slots they added on are for the populist films that weren't getting nominated. Those aren't the ones that are going to get the awards. They're still at the bottom of the list. Yeah, they get nominated, and they don't always get nominated. A lot of the times, the list is populated by more smaller art house Mm. biopic films that don't reach that large audience that the Oscars is allegedly looking for. That some are getting attention, like some movies that people aren't going to see you getting nominated for Best Picture is going to make their eyes open up. Yeah, but if the whole goal was to get people to watch the awards show. In the hopes that a film that they really, really like would just be mentioned, that seems really pandery to me. Yeah. It's like we're we're gonna nominate Inception. Are you gonna give it any awards? Well, maybe some tech, but stick around. It's like, no. Uh, that's, uh, when, people when, wanna people at home wanna see it win because that's yeah, the movie they if saw. If you if you yeah. are familiar if you're in LA especially, but if you just sort of follow Oscar Buzz, which I think most people who follow the Oscars do now anyway. It usually just comes down to two pictures anyway. Yeah. It's like usually it's one, one or the other. Maybe there's a third in there that it could be the dark horse, but it's never an even race between all ten. That's true. That's generally mm-hmm. very true. I, I One thing I think another thing you could do maybe would be, uh, I think the Emmys started doing this, which is expanding the acting nominee categories. Mm, okay. Where instead of having five nominees, you have eight or ten. Okay. You know, because again, why not recognize more talent? There you go. Okay, and who knows? Maybe once different interesting people get nominated there, that actually might start changing the category. Because if it's just Best Picture that gets the 10, Mm -hmm. not even consistently, 10 extra nominees, and that's the only category that is on a preferential ballot thing where Mm -hmm. what you put as number one actually counts, as opposed to all the other uh, categories where you just vote for who you think should win, Mm -hmm. um, that could really change some things around, I think. So that's definitely something else uh, to consider. Um, beyond that, I mean, are there any other categories you'd like to add beyond that? Oh, uh, I think there should be a category for, I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> I just interrupted you. No, it's, it's okay. Well, I'm sorry. What, what's, what's the category you wanted? I think there should be a category for animated performance. Okay. That, uh, it's, it's, uh, been in news ever since, um, the, the whichever the Lord of the Rings film was that first had Gollum in it. Uh, that would be the Two Towers was the one that had him as a main character. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and and again that was that was based on uh, Andy Circus movements. Yeah, they didn't have him in one of those suits yet. That wouldn't come until a little bit later. No, he, no, but, he was in one of the suits. It, no, was he, he, in the... he wasn't in a motion capture suit for Gollum. They just sort of animated Gollum based on his movements. Oh, okay. But it wasn't, uh, I don't think they were capturing his movements yet. I don't, but not the way they, they would now. They did yeah. do that. Uh, Peter Jackson did do that with King Kong. Ah, that, yeah. that was Andy Serkis as as the ape and uh, also the apes in Planet of the Apes. But I wouldn't limit it to specifically motion capture mm. because there aren't necessarily that many every year. I think it's animated performance. Mm. So we include motion capture in that. And then we also allow it to be like, okay, so, I don't know, look at something like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. I don't know, Inside Out. Okay. And you have Joy, who's voiced mm. by Amy Poehler. 
But they, Amy Poehler would receive the Academy Award as well as the character animators. Yeah, they would yeah. both. They're both contributing to that performance. We're all four of however many are. Mm. They're all contributing to that performance. And at some point, you have to cut it off. It's like you do it like Best Picture. Not yeah. every producer can get an Oscar. You got to cut it down somewhere. But regardless, I think we need to understand that that's a hybrid achievement. Mm. That's a technical achievement. That's an artistic achievement. And it's and not that acting isn't an art, but it's a different kind of art. And it's an acting achievement. Yeah. And so I think it's one of the reasons why people have been hesitant to nominate motion capture performances for regular acting categories and also voiceover performances yeah. for those categories because it feels like mm. it's not exactly the same art form. And you're right. It's a, a cooperative art form and it needs its own category. Yeah. Um, yes, I agree. That That's actually a good idea to have character animation being uh, singled out within animation. Yeah. Usually animation is just sort of seen as this one monolithic effort, uh, but so many different disciplines go into animation. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's up to other uh, animation awards bodies to award those details. Yeah. Like and the, we can, like the, the Annie awards, for instance. Yeah. But, and the Annie awards, I'm glad we have those, but this would be good to have for mm -hmm. traditional cell animation, CG animation, and also live action animation hybrids, mm -hmm. which is a lot of mainstream. And movies if you had separate categories, like, CG or two, like majority 2D animation categories mm. that would force studios, I would think, into making more animated films. They would certainly and, be more, or, or more at least willing. Go yeah. into like more creative, visual, innovative animation rather than just like one studio kind of making one kind of animated film with it, one, you know, something that's, idea. something that, that's always, uh, rubbed me the wrong way is uh, Disney's designs. You look over their entire history of animated films, the characters are really kind of samey. They go to the same kind of kinds of designs over and over again. It goes in waves. Yeah. Like there are different generations where they start looking a little different. Mm. But like, if you look at like the Disney animated movies from the sixties and seventies, there's a lot mm. of similarity. And then like in the nineties, there's a lot of similarity. Yeah. Now and a lot of their CGI. No, films it's like feel very the, the characters from, from tangled could be in frozen and Easily. vice versa. They, they didn't design those characters to look any different. Yeah. Um, those, anyway, these are all great questions. Um, unless you have anything else to add, I guess we no. can move on. No, I, 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 stunts is the one that's been hammered on the most, and it's one that I believe most strongly in. Yeah. Uh, one I would love to see is best music supervision, uh, like best soundtrack record. Uh, I know that's not a big thing anymore. That's sort of just a remnant of, of our youth. Mm. The idea of a really great soundtrack record coming with a movie is kind of a bonus. But that that's a subtle art unto itself, compiling a good collection of songs and using them well in a movie. I is that a... I, I know there are lots of Grammys for movie related stuff, but mm. are, is there a Grammy award for best like music compilation soundtrack? There soundtracks can get Grammys, yeah. uh, but the the Grammys don't take into account how they're used in the film. Oh, okay, it's just a good compilation, or it's well produced, or okay. it's, you know good track lineup. You you can get a Grammy for that sort of thing. But yeah, I would love to see use of use of music in a movie. And that's, that's not something we do a lot. Like okay. Use of pre-existing music beyond the score. All right. Uh, anyway, here's a, got? here's a letter from lady night, the brave. Oh, hi lady hello, night, lady night, the brave. Uh, hello, Bibbs and Whitney. I was emailing to kind of dispute a point you brought up in your review of a map of tiny perfect things. Oh, that was uh, that was quick. Yeah, so this this is a brand new letter because <laughs> okay. um, that that episode just dropped uh, today as it is recording. Yeah. Uh, now, in fairness, I liked this movie a lot more than Whitney did. I also like YA films, rom coms, and and time loop movies. So this movie was precisely my cheese. 
But a point that Whitney brought up was the lack of sexuality in the film. The fact that the two leads don't do it, do more than kiss uh, because sexuality is a big part of the human experience. And the two of them have spent potentially years together trapped in this one day, etc. I might be missing some of the nuance, but that was what my read on what your point was. Uh, yeah, that was that was Pretty one close. of my, mm-hmm. my criticisms is uh, not just about this film in particular, but a lot of romances in general is that uh, there's a lot chased. of... Yeah, they are very chaste. There's a lot of like light kissing and a lot of uh, you know character work and the bonding and the sexuality is usually kind of brushed aside for reasons I assume uh, just I don't want to say it's all prudishness because you know some of these films are for younger audiences but uh, there's a it, there's a prudishness to the American like mm. Hollywood complex where yeah. they don't want to push too many boundaries they don't want people to be uncomfortable in the theater exactly and that goes with what and, we uh, think will make people uncomfortable right. and that can be very conservative mm. sometimes um, I would argue that while it is a part of the human experience, it's not the only part. I'm asexual, so I've, I have, have a pretty big appreciation of films that portray romance without sex, hmm. and that is how I experience romance. Although it is usually more to do with maintaining a PG or PG-13 rating, I don't think that portraying sex is necessarily in, necessary in portraying romance. And I would say that it, that goes double for movies about teenagers. While some teenagers get sexually active early, not all of them do. On top of that, there's been a lot of irresponsibility in the industry involved in, with working with young actors during these scenes. Not always, but enough that it, unless it is absolutely crucial to the point the storytellers are trying to make, I'd argue that we don't need to see graphic depictions of sexuality in order to depict romance between young people in particular. I just wanted to write in because I thought this might be a point you hadn't considered, and I wanted to bring it to your attention. Uh, enjoying the podcast, as always. Stay well. Um, uh, thank you, Lady Night. Thank I, you, Lady Night. That, that's an excellent point. Uh, mm-hmm. I understand that... I don't, I don't think you were mm-hmm. you were asking for graphic depictions. No, I wasn't... Just I wasn't the implication yeah, that I, sex I, had I didn't need... Yeah, I don't need to see just... That they, they are sexually active, I think, is okay. That it be addressed um, in some regard, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I'm very fond of the movie Juno uh, for this reason. Uh, They they bring up, oh, I didn't even know you were sexually active. And Juno just says, what does that even mean? (laughs) Like, just, okay, we're going to do sex. And that's just, uh, just, it's just the reality of the thing. We did a sex once. And and I feel like a lot of chaste romances um, kind of put a stigma on sex because they're not talking about it a lot. Yeah. But uh, but uh, to Lady Knight's point, it's true. Not not everybody is going to be overtly sexual in the romance, especially in the early parts of their romance. Even mm-hmm. young, even younger people, and of course, especially yeah. asexual people. For and yeah, that and, is and not a, an important a, part of asexual their people yeah. are going to be purely romantic, and yeah. uh, so that that is an excellent point to be put up and an excellent point of view to be put in. And like I said, I think my complaint wasn't necessarily with the chasteness of this film in particular, mm-hmm. but. The way a lot of films in general, especially romance films, tend to shy away from a sexual element when uh, it could easily be a part of the story without make, making it seem a lot more uh, natural. Well, let me ask you a question, because mm. this brings up a larger issue, and it's something that mm. we need to be conscious of. Because as we grow, not not just you and I as people mm. and as critics, but as we grow as a culture and as we grow more understanding and more aware of different people and different identities and different mm-hmm. all kinds of different ways people live. Um we become aware that sometimes we have inherent perspectives that we're not mm. questioning. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Mm. I didn't see the map of tiny perfect things. Okay. Does it feel like those characters could be asexual? 
Uh, no, because romance, they talk about sex a lot, okay. and romance is on their minds a lot, okay. and they have conversations, uh, the male character well, at least has conversations with friends about how he wants to have sex. Oh, okay, so yeah. there is an interest. There, there, yeah, there's there, there okay. sexual interest. Okay, fair enough. But regardless, mm. I do think it's worthwhile that we are considering that if we have a perspective about whether or not this film is addressing something that we consider part mm. of the human experience... It's, that's I mean, not it's not necessarily I, I, everyone's human experience. I can put, put an asterisk next to that and say, yeah. when, and when I say the human experience, I mean my human experience. Yeah, and that's not invalid, mm. but it is only one, and we mm. need to be more open to that. And that's a really great letter to, and that's a good mm. note. It's a good note. Thank you for that. That's mm. that. I I needed that. I need that's good criticism. It's valid, and we need to be more oh, conscious. We of need it. to hear a lot more, a lot more perspectives. Yeah. And, so and, thank you for that. Yeah. And we're we're again we're 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 what what you're like fifty seven something sixty eight now. Sixty eight. Yeah. I'm sixty eight. I'm going to be seventy four later yeah. this year. And I'm, and I'm turning uh, thirty nine in about two mm-hmm. weeks. Uh, and uh, you know, I'll be in only one more year to be in my mid thirties. Um, <laughs> it's all mid thirties. Sure. If you're, if it's thirty to forty, you're mm. in the middle there. You're in the midst of your thirties. Mm. I should be my midst thirties. No, just, just, just put down any notions you might have that you're still relevant. Just put them down. Just, well, again, we're we're, we're products dro- of dro- our drop it, fling it off a cliff. We're products of our time. We're products of our generation. Mm. We're products of our upbringing. We're products of our parents. Um, and um, you know, we're trying to be better, and we're mm. gonna be playing some catch up. To people who are younger and grew up in more enlightened mm-hmm. times than even we did. Hipper and having conversations that we're just not savvy enough to be part of yet. Yeah, and, and we're and, trying. And, 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 thank we'll, you. and we'll catch up. Keep and it's just going to be a struggle task. for us. But, yeah. Keep taking us to task if we mm-hmm. if we let you down. Please. We're trying. So, but, we but mean I'm, well, but we I'm, don't uh, always do it right. I'm glad you I'm glad you like the map of Tiny Perfect Things. It, it is a sweet little film, and I, I didn't want to give the impression that I disliked it. I think I, I gave it a positive review. I, I just, gave it a C. Yeah. Which is... Middle, <laughs> it's not it's, negative. It's not negative. It I, I didn't tell negative. people you, to not you, see it. You didn't it. say it was bad. Mm-hmm. You just didn't you didn't do a lot yeah, for you. Okay. And and again, I maybe a big part of that is because I am the age I am. And if I had seen that when I was you know seventeen, maybe I would have liked it a lot more. By the way, if you're unaware, Lady Night the Brave has an incredible YouTube channel mm-hmm. uh, where they do um, these absolutely phenomenal um, like video essays about everything from like. Like happy the Happy Death Day movies to like <laughs> the the Mike Flanagan's haunting uh, series on Netflix and it just they're all every one I've seen has been really really great so mm. uh, check them out that's a great channel that's a really really great channel I'm mm. I'm I'm jealous actually that's really good criticism mm. so the, thank you so much for your contribution yeah. to this show as well. All right, let's move on. All right, here's a letter from Nick. Hello, Nick. Hi, Nick. Um, hi, guys. My name's Nick, and a while back, I stumbled across a movie I had never heard of. It completely blew me away, and so ever since, I've been desperately trying to convince everyone across movie fandom to give it a shot and hopefully drag it out of complete obscurity. Mm. The movie is called The Beast of War, a.k.a. The Beast, from 1988, directed by Kevin Reynolds, starring George Zunza. Jason Patrick and Stephen Bauer was only released on two screens across the whole of the U.S. by Columbia Pictures, and I kid you not when I say this, it's the best Hollywood film you've never heard of. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's old writing partner Roger Avery has it down as the best movie 1988 on Letterboxd, and he also has it down as one of his 20 Desert Island films along with Apocalypse Now. Being the only other war film, it has a rating of 7.3 on IMDb. Uh, Not a single critic's review on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. 
Uh, I'm starting to get more and more podcasts to check it out and to review it while letterbox reviews seem to be on the increase. Now, I think it would be great if companies like the Criterion uh, Criterion or the Shout Factory could get their hands on it and give it the, it, the exposure it clearly needs. Please seek this film out. It's available on DVD and on streaming. So, uh, yeah, it's currently available on Amazon Prime for no additional uh, fee. Okay. If you wanted to watch it right now, you could. It's also on Tubi, apparently. It is one of the ten, 10 best movies of the 1980s. One way or another, we need to find a way to raise this movie's profile and prevent it from continual obscurity once and for all. Nick. It's um, called The Beast of War. So have you seen this one? No. You know what? I haven't either. The Beast of War, a.k.a. The Beast. So I can't necessarily uh, comment on the review mm. of The Beast of War. But what I can say is that film criticism has a lot of different functions. Mm. Sometimes it's just about keeping uh, uh, up to date with new films, making sure people are aware of what's coming out, uh, trying to elevate the conversation around various films, uh, trying to, uh, well, it's a lot of things. Mm. But I think sometimes the single most important thing we can do is help prevent films from dying. And I don't mean as a medium, I mean individual films. Yeah. Because there are tons of movies that come out every year. And I know it seems like, Oh, there are like thousands that come out every year now. Yeah. But even in the 30s, there were a ton. Mm. Even in the silent era, there were a ton. And very few get discussed regularly anymore. So a film critic's job isn't just to talk about what's currently popular. It's also to keep digging and find stuff that isn't as well known. And if it's interesting, just interesting is enough. Mm. But if it's interesting, and especially if it's great... We need to try to keep talking about it so that they don't disappear and people remember them and people think to themselves, oh, I should check this out. And then maybe these films can be rescued from obscurity. Yeah. So thank you for your contribution to that. I cannot speak to the film specifically, but I am putting it on my list. Yeah, well, so... Uh... I wanted to read that letter because I did want to boost that film's profile. Uh, Lord knows you and I specifically, William have plenty of films that we adore that nobody's even, even if we talk about them, nobody sees them. Their eyes glaze over Mm -hmm. and just like, Like, uh, how many times can I recommend La Quattro La Quattro Volte? Nobody wants to see La Quattro Volte. Shut up about La Quattro Volte for God's sake. It's always La Quattro. I've had it up to here with La Quattro Volte. More like La Infinite Volte, huh? It's a, a near silent documentary style Italian film about transmigration of the soul from uh, people into sheeps into trees into ashes. And it's really, really good. And it's actually very funny. Cool. I, I know. And nobody wants to see a movie like that. I'll, I'll, but I'll keep mentioning it. That is not true, but it is a smaller audience than, say, That's something true. like Avengers well, Endgame. So. Well, and then, you know, as, as critics and as, you know, even just as film fans, it's our job to get people excited about these movies. And yeah. uh, as... Not just, not just mention them, mm-hmm. but also discuss them in a way that mm-hmm. makes people interested if they're worth being mm-hmm. interested about. And yeah. uh, I, I know a lot of... And we bring this up every time we make a top ten list at the end of the year. Uh, some people like to write top ten lists for the sake of posterity. What are the best films of the year? What are the ones we're going to keep on talking about for the rest of film history? Mm-hmm. I predict it's going to be these ten. These are the ones that are going to get a bunch of awards. These are the ones that are important right now. They will be referenced for uh, decades to come. They will be influential in future generations. Or you can use those lists the way uh, a lot of critics like to, including myself, and that is as a list of recommendations. Yeah. These are great films that came out this year. Capital G, great movies. 
and they're not all going to be the ones that everybody else is talking about. All those other films, great, fine, yes, yeah. keep talking about them, but they're covered now. You don't need us to remind you. Yeah, Promising Young Woman, yes, it's been talked about. You probably have heard about that one by now, and it's on your list already. I don't necessarily need to bring that one up again. A lot of people are talking about Promising Young Woman. It's not intended See as a it. slight. No, yeah. not at all. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not snubbing that film. It's a great film. But here's another little one that yeah. you haven't heard of. How many of you have seen Psycho Gorman yet? <laughs> See yeah. Psycho Gorman. It's hilarious. It's well, great. I think, I think sometimes even the Oscars gets a little too much flag for that because it's mm. like, oh, why aren't you nominating all of these giant blockbusters? You already know about those. Mm. What do they need a gold statue to? What do you what more do they possibly want? They made two billion dollars. Jesus. <laughs> No, it needs to be unilateral. It's, it, Keep it's on already talking. a popularity yeah. contest. What we we need to, mm. like what it, it, it is popular. It won. Like the the whole like Marvel movies are doing better than DC movies. Man, those poor beleaguered DC movies, backed by one of the biggest studios in the world that literally make hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. What underdogs? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Hate, you know, mm. Oh, everyone's punching down at these movies. So, yeah, they made eight hundred million dollars and have rabid fans. No, they won. They're they're on top. They're they're doing great. <laughs> that there's one franchise that's doing better doesn't mean mm. ridiculous. Doesn't mean that everything else is is failing. So yeah, when it comes yeah. to coming up with top ten lists or conversations about great films from a certain era or era or within a certain genre, uh, keep on. That's when you get to bring up these movies. You get to say. This is this is one of the the the, be, the beast is one of the best movies of the 1980s, mm. and that's going to have somebody go, oh, that's that's, that's bold statement. If one person says movie. that, there's going to be something a to that. A lot of amazing movies come out in the 1980s, and if I mm. feel like you have interesting taste or that you know what you're talking about, that's exciting to hear. Maybe I should check this out. Maybe it is fucking amazing. Mm. So, and that, and I'm telling you, that sounds interesting. Everything you said. So once again. Uh, the movie again. I can't speak to it, hmm. but our listener has. Uh, what was the listener's name again? Who, who recommended this? Uh, this was from. Oh gosh, um, you lost it, didn't you? I did. I put it away already. It was from Nick. Nick, Nick. Thank you for this. The movie is called The Beast of War. It may also be available in some markets as The Beast, uh, and uh, it is currently available on a variety of streaming services. So, yeah, check it out. Let us know what you yeah. thought. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's a letter from Austin. Hi, Austin. Hi, Austin. Uh, greetings. I have a couple of scenes that have been stuck in my head for mm. years that I saw on late night television as a child in the late 1990s. I can't for the life of me find out where they came from. Oh, I hate I, it when that happens. I hate it when it happens, but I like these letters because even if we don't know, we can at least outsource it. Yeah, somebody, someone else somebody, might know. Somebody this. might yeah. know. Uh, Mark Hoyk, I hope you're listening. Yeah, Mark, uh, this is Mark's <laughs> wheelhouse. This is where, this is where like that brief thing where like, this is what it was like to be a video store clerk. Yeah. Where before like the internet was like big and there was a subreddit for every oh. movie. You'd be like, hey, what was that movie with the... Giant spider in the hourglass it was crawl aisle three. Yeah. Boom, done. I can help. There's there's a, a call out to that phenomenon in the movie Scream. Oh yeah, because, uh, Randy, the character, works in a video store, and somebody walk, walks up to him. And says, what was that horror movie with uh, ET's mom in it? It's Cujo. He was going for Cujo, right? Well, he says the Howling, but that's also that's also that's, that. a, that's another uh, horror movie the, with the, D. Wallace in yeah, it. Randy, a little disappointing there. He should have known he there were at least a few by that point. Yeah, you want you want the Howling, you want Cujo, or you want Critters because she's in all of those. That's true, actually. Uh, Moving on. Anyway, uh, I can't for the life of me find out where they came from. Can you help? Uh, uh, we'll try. One scene is of a man 
having his hands nailed to a chair via nail gun, specifically through the skin between the thumb and forefinger. Nail gun, like on the little web of your hand. Uh, The other is a very white, literally white, not Caucasian, man with pale blue eyes screaming in horror. I have no idea if they are the same movie or not, (laughs) and have no other context for either scene. Can you help? Wow. Those are... Yeah. Also, do you have anything uh, like this, something that uh, will stay with you for years before you found out where it was from, or something you've uh, still never discovered the origin of? Thank you. Uh, Did they answer the second question? Yeah, a bunch Mm. of stuff. Um, There was one... I finally figured it out, like, a couple years ago, Uh, but there was one movie that I couldn't remember from when I was a kid. It was about a little kid. He was like living in a small town or near the woods or something. And there was a mystery in a lake mm-hmm. with some kind of lake monster hmm. with like, that was somehow connected to like a windmill. And I couldn't figure out the fuck that was. And it turns out it was a film called the quest, AKA frog dreaming, depending on what market mm. it was released in starring Henry Thomas from ET. Uh, I rewatched it. I finally, they've uh, someone actually back back at the time it was only available on DVD in Australia, and someone sent me mm-hmm. a copy. It was very kind of them. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Didn't, it wasn't quite as good as I had built it up in my head, but I was glad I saw it. Thank mm-hmm. God, like it finally like clicked. It had been bugging <laughs> me for forever. Um, so I totally am familiar with this phenomenon. I'm sure I could name more, but I'm on the spot. I just can't. It's like someone says, uh-huh. "Hey, tell me a joke." Damn it, I can't think of anything. Well, now. um. A scene of somebody getting their hand nailed to a chair might be the serpent in the rainbow. Oh, that's uh, maybe. The, uh, Bill Pullman gets strapped to a chair. I think his hands are nailed, and they also nail a, another sensitive part of his, his anatomy in that movie. Um, yeah, that sounds... that, And you know what? That hmm. might actually even be the same film, if I remember it's some the, of the, the other the, stuff. The Screaming Pale Man. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. That's a very surreal film in a lot hmm. of ways. Serpent in the Rainbow was a um, uh, Wes Craven film about someone investigating... Uh, voodoo rituals and specifically zombification but the idea initially was it was going to be about the realities of these things but then there was like production snafus and it added turned it into a supernatural thing after all yeah they threw they threw in some Hmm. stuff that doesn't quite fit the film but it's mostly a good movie um Hmm. so yeah maybe i don't know if anyone else has any other thoughts hmm. i'd love to hear the pale person the like the the painted Hmm. white person screaming in Terror hmm. is what loses me because for a second I thought we were talking about um, Lost Highway. Oh, there you go. But that's not right. No, because he's not screaming terror in that. Screaming. Um, could it be the unholy that has like that pale monster in it? That, but yeah, again, I'm going to films from the late '80s, and you said you saw these on the on TV in the late '90s. I'm I'm mm. not sure if these films would have been in rotation on network TV at that time. Yeah. Um, but maybe I mean, um, gonna be Castle Freak. Well, he wasn't really was he that was he pale in Castle? No, Freak? he wasn't pale. He just had like that like the scarred. Well, he had the sheet on. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. Yeah, was wearing a sheet over his head for most of it. Yeah. Um, Dang. Hmm. I'll have to think about this one. But yeah, yeah. this one is is we're gonna outsource. We're yeah, gonna, please. We're gonna go go to our our listeners and see if you know the hand nailing to a chair scene and also pale white monster screaming and hand nailed to a chair yeah. specifically between those fingers because mm-hmm. that's a very specific detail and that's probably yeah. that's probably in there if that stands out so much so mm-hmm. um and uh, yeah 
as for uh, f- yeah, the films where you you catch bits of them when you're a child and they just mm. sort of stay with you for a long time and you never find out what the yeah the uh, the movie is. I remember seeing a movie. I think it had John Cusack in it, mm. uh, and one of the elements of this movie was a everybody died. Like everyone was, the whole cast died off. I remember seeing like every character uh, was dying. This is like when you were uh, younger. When I was younger, yeah, I saw this on okay. TV. And uh, one of the, the elements of the film was uh, John Q, and I think it was John Cusack, uh, moved into a house and they had a stuffed dog and the stuffed dog, like the stuffed Doberman, and it scared everybody. And wherever they moved it in the house, somebody would always run into this stuffed, like taxidermy Doberman. It would really terrify them. Uh, that's a movie I've never found out what that is. Ah, um, oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Um, uh, but there was one that I actually did solve. And okay. when, when I was very young, I might have been like five or six when I saw this, because uh, we had an old uh, UHF TV, an old black and white TV station that had a big VHS knob, which had the like the eight local network stations. But then it had a VHS knob that had, had all of the uh, ultra high frequency uh, bandwidth and that's yeah. where all of like the public TV came in and TV from other countries like you could pick up so much more strange things and so that's where I saw like a lot of uh, luchador movies just sort of incidentally on a weekday afternoon that's yeah. where I saw uh, one of my favorite cartoon shows as a kid it was called Transor Z it was an animated show it's oh, yeah. actually better known as Mazinger Z uh, I've actually found out about this show and I've I've always been tempted whether or not do I want to go back and watch this film that I really loved when I was seven or do I just want to leave those pleasant memories where they are. But I saw a monster movie on TV when I was a kid and uh, the scene was was incredibly vivid. It was uh, this gigantic, strange science fiction antechamber and there were a bunch of people lined up like maybe six feet apart facing their lord and their lord was a gigantic squid monster sitting on a throne and in the scene the squid monster raised a tentacle pointed at one of the people and the person's head would just pop off and squid tentacles would grow out of its neck and it was slowly turning each one of those people into miniature squid monsters the fuck were you watching i was watching gamera versus virus Wow. Which, which I didn't learn about until I was in my late 30s. Wow. It was a Gamera film. That's a hell of a Gamera uh, film. Also known as Destroy All Planets. And uh, and, and I've, I've gone back and looked for clips, and I, lo and behold, I did find that clip again. This yeah. weird memory that I carried with me all throughout my childhood, and I never knew what it was. was... I described it to people all throughout my childhood, and they had no idea what I was talking well, about. Well, that's a pretty specific Kids don't know Gamera know, movies. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, they were, if they do, they know the MST3K ones, and that yeah. wasn't one Although, of them. And this was before MST3K. Well, I'm even, just saying later so, on, yeah. they probably wouldn't have um, I, I realized, I was thinking about it, the majority of the films where I have this phenomenon were films that I saw in the 90s on a show that I don't think exists anymore called mm-hmm. USA Up All Night. Oh yeah, USA Up All Night or Night Flight. And yeah. you can actually see Night Flight still. Yeah. Night Flight has their own streaming channel. Okay. Um, the the idea for USA Up All Night, I guess Night Flight, was uh, it's late at night on basic cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, oftentimes there'd be like a host, like Gilbert Gottfried did it for a while and it would just be Gilbert Gottfried at a bar late at night talking to people. Mm. And then we'd cut to some really raunchy, shitty, violent movie, uh, raunchy and or shitty and or violent. Like it was some combination of those mm. three. Um, and I saw a lot of shit and a lot of it. I did not pick up the title. <laughs> 
some of which were pretty obvious. Like I figured out, oh, that was Toxic Avenger 2. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That tracks. Um, but there was some where I just had no fucking idea. Uh, and I, I tracked down two. Hmm. There were two that I figured out. Uh, one was about a nerdy guy who made a wish and became like this incredibly muscly, studly dude and got to have all the sex that he wanted because now he was generically handsome and attractive. Hmm. It was called Hunk. <laughs> I finally tracked down Hunk. I, Hunk is not a good I remember, film. I remember seeing that uh, tape on the shelf at the video store. Hunk is not a great film, but mm. I have seen Hunk. Um, the one I haven't gone back to because I'm sure it's awful. But for many years, I was trying to figure out what the fuck this movie was, and I didn't. I wasn't until relatively recently that I was able to track it down. It was about a nerdy, and I mean like stereotypical Revenge of the Nerds nerd, mm. a nerdy high schooler who finds a leprechaun at the bottom of a beer bottle. And that's what he's, it's like, it's like the genie in the lamp, except it's okay. a leprechaun in a beer bottle. You hallucinated this one. I'm I sure. wish I had, <laughs> I, of course the leprechaun grants him wishes, but it grants him like these like raunchy wishes where like people don't mm. have their clothes on or whatever. Yeah, very, very immature, very sexist. Right. And I just could, I, I was like, did I dream this fucking thing? Cause I like, no one knew what I was talking about. Turns out it's a movie called, Getting lucky. Oh no! Because leprechauns are lucky. Oh no! Yeah, this eighties sex farce. Yeah, those were all bad guys. All those eighties sex farces. Oh they, yeah, very very few of them are even watchable now, even in the slightest. Uh, Have you ever heard of a movie called King Frat? Yes. I'm, I'm sorry I brought it up. Don't watch King Frat. <laughs> the uh, the the only other like noteworthy thing that the director of getting lucky did was he did witchcraft seven and nine witchcraft nine is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And how how witchcraft is seven nine, witchcraft nine bitter flesh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, seven's all right. Bad perform, really yeah. bad performances in seven. He also did a film that same year called operation Dalmatian, the big adventure. <laughs> there's, there's how, a, people have interesting careers on the fringe of there, film. There, there's a, a meme circulating right now. It's like, and here's, here's four films from the same decade from one director. It's like, yeah, clearly you're not looking up the career of like Ted Nicolau or, or, uh, <laughs> or, 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 uh, Steven Z. What is it? Steven Zito, Mark Zito. I don't remember. Joseph Zito, Joseph Zito, Joseph yeah. Zito. Um, yeah. or, 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 or our beloved David Dakota, you know, these people who do just, crank out eight films in a year, a single year. Yeah. That would, that's the thing we should do is like one director, four, four films, films, one, one year, yeah, one year, <laughs> do it. Find them. They're out there. I mean, that, they're that, hardworking that, people. That's what they did in the silent era. And that's yeah. what they did in like B movie houses. They got one director, yeah. you know, you, you get your Jim Wynorski or whoever it is. And yeah. they'll, they'll make four movies in a year. No problem. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, please let us know. Uh, we follow us on Twitter. Send us Twitter. Uh, we're, at, we're at Critic Acclaim. Mm. Uh, you can also email us, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. If you think you have the answer, please put it in the headline so we can try to find it uh, pretty. I mean, not the answer. Just say, I know the the mm. movie with the nail gun or whatever like that. Maybe yeah. we'll we'll be able to solve or, this mystery. We'd love to help. Or just put it on the Twitters and yeah. we'll see it. We'll, we'll spread the word. All right. We have time for one more. Let's All right, see here's one more. Here's a letter from... Uh, Elias. Um, hello, Elias. Um, hello, Bibbs and Whitney. I hope you two are doing well, and I'm I'm just warning you, be prepared for some love. Uh, I've had to think real hard as to where, who, and why, but I, uh, 
I should support any of the podcasts that I listen to on Patreon. I've listened to you guys since 2018, and I've listened to every episode at least twice. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Okay, well. Uh, that means a lot to us. Yeah, geez, I'm, I'm completely... I'm, I'm non plus. Yeah, that's, that's um, incredible. Thank you. Uh, the ones that are free, of course. I lost my stepfather in December of 2019, oh, two so days sorry. before Christmas, and oh. I've never felt so much pain before. And I've uh, and I've been through some shit. However, it was you two that kept me sane. Well, thank you. I'm glad we could help you through that, even even yeah. if it's just being here for that. Uh, then on May 5th of last year, my daughter entered this world. The moment she arrived, I cried because of joy and heartbreak, knowing that my stepfather wasn't there, but seeing her further added to the joys of my life. I absolutely enjoy every conversation you two have. The chemistry, banter, the fact that you guys aren't acting like anyone else. It genuinely sometimes comes off as if the microphone isn't there. And quite frankly, that kinda. Yeah, like this if is, we just have a conversation, this is more or, sounds, or less how sounds it is. a lot like yeah. this, and, along with every single. I, it might be a chicken and the egg situation mm-hmm. because we've been podcasting for so long that maybe we maybe talk like we podcast. Change, change the timbre of our actual conversation. But yeah. Um, I like that I can disagree with you guys and not be mad about it. Please disagree with oh, me. Oh, yeah. I don't want you to agree with me. We're idiots. Like, we're not, like... <laughs> like, we we, have, we we feel confident in our opinions, but it's art. We're wrong. And sometimes we're just wrong about shit. Yeah. yeah. You know? Sometimes we just don't know what we're talking Like, we thought we did, but we were wrong. Please mm. correct us. Yeah, We'd be yeah. hypocrites if we said otherwise. Um, uh, not begun, because I know uh, if we knew each other, you wouldn't just push me away. You guys are both funny, and you know your film history. Sometimes I hope to aspire to that. I'm sorry this might be weird, but your podcast means so much to me, and through everything I've gone through, you two have always been there. I always listen to every episode on the day of release, and now that I'm a member of Patreon, I always I al- have already listened to most of the audio commentaries and started all our yesterdays. Wow. My name is Elias. My top three favorite movies are... Yes. Zodiac. Nice. The Godfather Part 2. Nice. And Airplane. Nice! <laughs> it's a good trifecta. A good, good triple trilogy. feature. I would even. love to see that triple feature. Uh, in that good. order, in yeah. fact. Uh, sorry for making this long. It's my first letter, and it took me a week to figure out what I would want to write to you about. I realize that I don't think I'm ready for that because uh, I want to spark a deep conversation for you two uh, to get into that, and that takes some thinking. So instead, I've decided to explain why I'm supporting your shows. Uh, I don't have a lot of money to spare, and I'm working on savings so that my daughter can have a future. Yeah, do that. Yeah, that's more <laughs> important, please. But I believe you guys are worth the investment. I don't know if you uh, if if that was worded correctly, but I am a huge fan, and the impact you two have made on my mind and soul can never be repaid. Jesus. Uh, that's so much. But know that every time you guys record a new podcast, I will be fi- finding more love uh, for more and more LOL. William and Whitney, I love what you do and who you are. You two are terrific. Together, a perfect match, and I can't wait for our next conversation, Elias. Well, thank you for writing in. El- Elias. <laughs> Elias, sorry. Yeah. Um, mm. Wow. I actually... Um, mm. I actually... I, I'll, I'll say something. Mm. I've, I've been open about this. I, I go to therapy. Mm. Uh, well, I don't physically go because of the pandemic right now, but yeah, but, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in therapy. And... I want to help destigmatize that because it's been a big help for me and I wish I'd gone earlier or maybe I'd be in a better place in my life. And one mm. of the things that I've discussed in therapy constantly over the years is how difficult it is for me to accept a compliment. Mm. It's a self-esteem thing a lot of the time. A couple of the factors going into it, I got some baggage. But... um. I'm so absolutely moved by everything that you just mm. read to me, Whitney from LES and um, thank you. 
thank you so much. Yeah. That I'm I'm well, I'm honored. I'm touched. I'm about to cry. Um, I'm, I'm happy that that you that you feel you need to support us. You don't have to. Like if if things are really trim, uh, we'll we'll be here. We'll have the free shows for you. Yeah, and and all of that backlog will be there for you if you ever decide to. You know your situ- financial situation turns around. We know what it's like to be uh, in dire straits, and we don't want to make anything worse for anybody else. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's hard enough right now for, as it is. Uh, I'm, um, I'm a parent too. I know what uh, what a joy and what a stress that can be, especially during this time, and uh, it's especially hard in in the wake of losing someone. Uh, but I also I also appreciate just, that like you you if there are people who mm-hmm. like are giving you art that you like or um, entertainment or whatever and wanting to actually contribute to that and finding value in that. And the fact that you would consider us worthy of that at this time when you have this much going on is incredibly moving to me. And boy, it makes me want to make more podcasts. (laughs) Um, So just thank you for that. Thank you for telling us that, Uh, you know, and I just want to tell everybody at at home, I just want to give everyone a reminder here because it's easy to forget this sometimes. And I do it myself sometimes. And I try to remind myself. Um, And it does, I'm not not talking about us. You're, You're welcome. We would love to hear from you, but this is not about us. If there are people who do things that help you get through your day, even if you don't know them, Mm. people who make comic strips that you like online or other podcasts or YouTube shows or whatever, um, and you can like even just find them on Twitter and you just want to say, hey, thanks. That's always cool. Yeah, that's always appreciated. I mean, you don't want to no one. No one's asking you to like, you know find their house or whatever, or do something weird and creepy, but like the, no, just, just to say thanks mm-hmm. and we appreciate you. And just it, it, that sometimes it really does feel like we're just throwing stuff out into a void. Yeah. And I'm incredibly grateful, especially since we started doing these letters type shows that our community who listens to our shows is a really cool group of people. <laughs> You're really cool people. You really are. It's, I'm such. I'm so honored that some that that you would even listen to us. I, I'm, You're really I, I think, neat. I, I nice think. Yeah. I, I think it's it's a. Not that I, I ever am tempted to flatter myself in this way, but I I know we're doing a good job when we attract a good clientele, yeah. as it were, and uh, the people who write in and the sort of feedback we get is all typically very thoughtful and uh, yeah. comes from a, a even if it's a, negative it's a, thoughtful a, a good wide variety of people who all have interesting things to say and are interesting human beings uh and that we can run with you uh is just uh in a, a deep honor so thank thanks yeah. for letting us be with you for a little bit yeah i'd be i mean i'd be flattered if anyone wanted mm. to spend time listening to our podcast but that mm. people who are genuinely cool human beings just I, I i again this is someone who deals with a lot of self-esteem issues a lot of imposter syndrome a lot of phobias like i'm, I'm depressed i'm anxious i have all of these things mm-hmm. and it means a lot to me that you you spend some of your time with us mm-hmm. and whether you're listening to some of our shows or all of our shows or 
whether you can contribute to our Patreon or just or, or not. Shit, I I I know a lot of people who have Patreons. I can't afford to contribute to all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I wish I could. I don't. I, I you know that's just life right now. It's a pandemic. But you know, pe- people who are on Patreon. I even know people who have OnlyFans. It's like, yeah, I, I wish I could too. just give you all money. Not not for prurient reasons. I just want to support you. Guys. I want to support yeah. you. I would love to support you when we can't and we have to make hard choices sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so for everyone who is a patron right now, I know some of you can't afford it and it, you're, you're doing well right now. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm glad you're doing well. I know some of you aren't mm-hmm. and you still want to support the show and you still want to get the extra content. I, sorry, the extra show is not content. Shows, yeah. I'm trying to remove content Maybe. from the lexicon, but I, but and and you want the extra stuff? Thank you for that. It means the world to us that you consider us something worth spending money on right now with everything else going on in the world. And to everyone else who's just listening on the free feed, thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your for being part of the conversation with us and emailing us and following us on Twitter or I, I don't know fucking anything else. Like even mm-hmm. just seeing a movie that we thought was cool that maybe you didn't know about before. That means a lot to us. That's why we do mm. this. We would have stopped a long fucking time ago if mm. we felt like no one was listening. Well, we'd still be having the conversation. We'd, we'd still be doing it. We, we just wouldn't be recording we, them at, I, it, at the same clip we do. And we wouldn't be probably doing it at midnight every weeknight. You know, right. we probably We probably mm. would... would be asleep. Mm. But we're, yeah. we, instead, we're doing this. And I love doing this. And I'm, I look forward to this every day. But... um. Yeah, it just I'm just I'm absolutely flabbergasted. That's just such a kind thing. And um thank you so much and we're really grateful to you for listening. Grateful to everyone for listening. Uh and um Damn, okay. I, I think we have to let it go on that. Okay. I, I don't know <laughs> well, if we're going to top well, that. Yeah, th- thank you yeah. for writing in, everybody. Uh, continue to write in. Uh, we can't get to all of your letters, but we do get to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're happy to read them. We'd read them every week. So. Yeah, we we do this show every day if we had the time. Mm-hmm. We don't. Uh, but uh, once again, the email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net. We would love to hear from you, whether you have uh, questions, critiques, anything else you want to discuss or talk about. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for that. Um, if you want to join the Patreon, uh, it, again, if you can afford it, it's patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a lot of exclusive shows and they unlock like right away. Every tier you've got, you're going to get quite a few hours of mm. extra bonus material just available to you. Um, we got that. We got, what else have we got going on? We got other stuff We're we're, uh, we're, uh, we have many, many podcasts. We both have beards. Just say, we have many, many podcasts. Um, um, you have your soap business, at, uh, oh, yeah. which you mentioned earlier. Oh yeah. Etsy.com. Uh, look for salt cat soap. Yeah. Salt cat soap is now on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow along for, uh, previews of upcoming designs, maybe some coupons, pictures of Luca. <laughs> They're yeah, they're over there. He's asleep behind me right now. I right think there. I think he likes listening to his podcast. <laughs> like at night, like if we podcast during the day, he jumps up on stuff, and we haven't mm-hmm. been able to do that for a while, which is why I haven't had to say Luca get off the counter for a bit. But at night, I think he's comforted by hearing us talk because he just goes to sleep over there, and it's oh, really cute. So cute. Um, he's enormous now. He's eight feet tall. Oh yeah, he's giant. Yeah. Put a, a yeah. whole a whole kindergarten class on his back. You and ever, just you, walk around. You ever seen Night of the Lepus with those giant like? rabbit paws that like knock people's heads off their bodies. That's like Luca. I do remember remember scenes of rabbits running around on miniature sets. I don't Mm. remember any actual giant rabbits though. Hey, it's a dig at the film's horrible special effects.
You can laugh. It's okay. There's, I could there's, if there, there was something funny there's being some, said. There's some whimsy in your heart. I'm going to bring it out at some point. All right, fine. I love Winnie so much. I love everyone so much. Thank you so much. Uh, once again, Twitter, we did that. Uh, email, mm. we did that. Patreon, we did that. Soap, yep. Mm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess that's that. So thank you everybody once again for joining us. Very special thank you to everyone uh, whose letters we were able to read today. Fascinating conversations. We're so glad we were able to have them. I'm I'm still just flummoxed from that last letter. That just meant so much to me. I'm gonna I'm mm. just meant the world. Thank you again. Um, okay, thank you everybody once again. Uh, sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. <laughs>